podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to the Baird Inn, where we cover all things Baylor sports. My name is Matt, and today we're going to be talking with Philip Slavin from the 1012 podcast. We're going to be talking about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, previewing them, continuing our Behind Enemy Line series. But before we get into that, there were a couple pieces of um, Baylor sports news I wanted to touch on. Uh, in football, you had six Bears named to the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list. They were cornerback Kalen Barnes, linebacker Terrell Bernard, running back Tristan Ebner, offensive tackle Connor Galvin, star safety linebacker Jalen Petrie, and wide receiver RJ Sneed. The uh, senior bowl watch list is an all-star game for seniors, as it's named, that um, happens at the end of the season. And over in baseball, the Baylor baseball team had a couple of additions that they announced for the 2022 roster. Um, Kobe Andrade, a sophomore transfer, a left-hand pitcher outfielder from Texas A&M, and Max Miller, a freshman right-hand pitcher from Carlsbad, California, will join the Bears for the upcoming season. And before we get into our conversation with Philip, I do want to give you a little bit of a heads up as I had a little bit of a technical issue in the middle of our conversation towards the end of our conversation where my uh, laptop died and I had to hurry up and plug it in and we continued it so there's a little bit of a weird breakup that's the reason why um so without any further ado let's welcome in Philip Slavin me we're now joined by Philip Slavin from the 1012 network now correct yeah so 1012 podcast is now part of the the 1012 network um as we have created a <laughs> i'll never get over how funny the timing of all this is a podcast network devoted entirely to the big 12 conference there you go yeah <laughs> or big eight or in the future or whatever or pack 20 you never know for now it devoted to the big 12 conference and the yeah. teams within um, I thought that we would, I brought you on specifically to talk about Oklahoma state, but I thought we could touch on Oklahoma as well. They're they're All the, except for Iowa state and West Virginia, all the other big 12 schools have an in-state big 12 counterpart, so to speak, that you kind of group together. And so Oklahoma and Oklahoma state kind of got grouped. Um, I think it's pretty much unanimous across the board that Oklahoma is, was picked to be, you know, to finish the year number one in the Big 12, um, to win the Big 12 conference, possibly get the fourth spot or one of the spots in the playoff. Um, does anything stand out to you for OU that would either make you a little bit concerning about that or or confirm what everyone thinks is going to happen? Let me just be up front. Um... <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's a bit of a disservice to bring me on to talk over you, but it is a little bit because like Oklahoma state is my bread and butter. The conference as a whole is my, is my wheelhouse. The Sooners 
I am not going to be able to dive deep in here on, on players and whatnot, but I, I will say this, um, you know, it, it, when you talk about the Sooners, we're not talking about like we are with Iowa state where we're saying, you know, going to challenge for a big 12 title, or we're not going to talk about them in the way we talk about say Texas or TCU or Oklahoma state. We're going to say they're, they're going to challenge to reach the big 12 title game. We're talking about a team where the conversation is, will they win their first playoff game? That's the conversation on Oklahoma. And I understand you have to get there first, but there is a little bit to when you've done it six years in a row, you get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Well, teams change every year. Players change. Yeah, yeah, I understand all that. When you do it six years in a row, you get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So you look at the Sooner squad, you look at a team who, similar to when Oklahoma State made a, a change at defensive coordinator, when they brought Alex Grinch into Oklahoma, it was said it's going to, if you thought it was going to be a quick fix, it wasn't going to. They're going to have to recruit some players in, swap some guys out, teach the new system, break old habits. And in year three, you would expect that. This should be the breakthrough year for the Oklahoma defense. Now, I don't, that's not me saying they're going to go out there and, and put a, a top 10 defense on the field. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but this should be the best defense that Lincoln Riley has had in his time at OU. And if you want to say, well, you know, often Spencer Rattler, he wasn't very good. It, then, then you are encapsulating Spencer Rattler from the beginning of last season to Red River when he got benched and came back out and then just didn't watch anything else and, and yeah. ignore the rest of the data. He was very like, good that second half of the year. That Oklahoma team at the end of the year, at the end of the, the 2020 season, was one of the hottest teams in college football. It was a team nobody wanted to face and uh, nobody wanted to see in the playoff yeah. because it's a team that would have legitimately put a challenge up against anyone, maybe not, probably not Alabama because of just how ridiculously good they were on offense, but they would have challenged everybody else. They would have. And so I understand that that doesn't mean something this year all the time. It doesn't always carry over, but this is an OU team that continues to get better and better. It's a Spencer Rattler who is going to improve. It's an offensive line that Bill Biedenbaugh is very high on, is speaking very, very highly of. And I understand coach speak. I get it, but I believe him. Yeah. Yes. They have questions at wide receiver. Okay. Um, that offensive line, he brought in, what is it? Uh, the transfer from uh, Tennessee is a, is a, is a Wanda Morris, if I remember correctly. Wanya. Uh, Wanya. Wanya. He yeah. may not even start. Yeah. For that offensive line. Like think about that for a second. Guy came over from Tennessee that everyone's like, oh, that guy's going to be awesome. He's been a great one of the five. He may not even start for that offensive line. That's how deep their offensive line is. They brought the running back for Tennessee too, didn't they? uh, Yeah, the running back. The running back depth at Oklahoma is gross. Um, The wide receivers are going to be young and talented. Spencer Rattler is going to take a step forward, and this defense is going to be better. I put Oklahoma number one just like everybody else did, and they earned that right having done it six years in a row. But the 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 conversation and the hard part is the Iowa State versus Oklahoma thing this year is this. Oklahoma has another level and another level they can hit, like honest to goodness. Um, so we keep having these conversations like can Iowa State close the gap on Oklahoma? That, that argument is based entirely on the idea that Oklahoma stands still and Iowa State improves. Yeah. 
The problem I have is that Oklahoma had far more room to improve based off of the talent that they have on that roster from last year to this year than Iowa State did. I don't think Oklahoma goes undefeated because they tend to lose a game early. They shouldn't. And it's for a variety of reasons. You never know. And and I think they probably will. If you ask me which one, I will tell you, I don't know. Because I don't, I don't want to sit here and be like, it's going to be that game. Because then it's, it's, I don't know. Because we never know. Like who would have thought Kansas State would beat Oklahoma twice in a row? Who would have thought they would lose to Iowa State and Kansas State? Like nobody. Nobody thought that was going to happen. It probably won't be Kansas State just because you were going to have that game circled. Oklahoma's in the be watching uh, out for Kansas State. I'm I am not going to predict one way or the other on anything. I'm just not. I've I've learned a lesson. That game is October second. That falls in the window of of when OU yeah. loses a game. They've got Texas, and we can say, well, Texas has a new coaching staff. It doesn't matter that they, they get up for Oklahoma every year. Uh, they've got, I mean, if you want to pick the games at Kansas State and Texas, the two most likely. It makes the most sense. I don't see West Virginia beating them in Norman. They're not losing a non-conference game. TCU cannot slow down Oklahoma. I'm sorry. They can't. Uh, and you want to tell me that Kansas or Texas Tech in Norman? No. And they don't lose late. So Kansas State or Texas are the two most likely spots. This team might not go undefeated, but they're going to win the Big 12 again. And I think they're good enough to make the national championship game. Yeah. I don't know if they're good enough to win it. And again, it all comes down to we don't know because of matchups. We don't know who's going to be there. We don't. I understand all those things. I'm saying that if you ask me today who I think matched the national championship game and I had to pick two teams, I'm picking Georgia and I'm picking Oklahoma. That's how confident I am in OU this year. Speaking of like moving on to like the team that you do support and teams that could beat Oklahoma, um, they've built themselves, Oklahoma State has, into – a, this defensive team, um, and can can they be the ones that to compete with the likes of Oklahoma um, as a defensive team and a defensive identity more so than what they have been known for on the other side of the ball? I don't know that saying that Oklahoma State has become a defensive team is a, is the right way to judge them. I think this is more to do with. Oklahoma State has tried to find a defense that is finally going to bring balance to the team. Oklahoma State's only been an offensive team. They've always had to win with offense, right? Um, They've had a couple of good defensive seasons, last year being one of them. Thank goodness it carried them because the offense was awful. But I don't think this is a thing where Oklahoma State's trying to become a defensive team and they want to win low-scoring games. Like that's That's not what they want to do. They still want to get big plays. They still want to put up points. They just they just also want to slow teams down and stop them. Um, last year, they were a defensive team because, again, the offense was bad. It, yeah. was, it was not good for a variety of reasons. Uh, Spencer Sanders was okay. Chupa was beat up. Tylen missed some time. Your offensive line was uh, a, road, a musical chairs of just injuries and injuries and injuries and injuries. And you piled all that up together and, it, you know, it just it wasn't a good offensive year. The defense carried them. Um, so I, I'm not sure that I would say that they're a, a defensive team so much as they finally have a defense that I feel pretty good about. Now, as far as a contender in the Big 12, could they be a contender in the conference this year? Maybe if the if Spencer Sanders takes the step. Because, again, the, the defense, we saw what the defense for this team does with a really good defense and a subpar offense last year. 
It was a good team. Yeah. If you didn't lose the if you didn't lose the the Oregon State and the FCS game off of the schedule, it's probably a ten win team. There's a probably it was a good team. The defense did it good, um, but the defense isn't going to get them to a Big Twelve title game. It's not going to get them a win over Oklahoma. The offense is going to have to do that. So, can this team be a contender in the Big Twelve? I think it's going to be entirely upon whether or not Spencer Sanders takes the leap and and begins to look like the guy everyone thought he could be from the time he arrived in Stillwater and, and first started throwing passes against Oregon State two years ago. Yeah, and um, he, as you mentioned, he did struggle. Um, he, uh, follow from right, he there wasn't he injured part of the year. Oh yeah, he and, he got injured in the first game. He missed yeah, a few. He, he didn't play in like Tulsa. He, was that who they played? Yeah, that was yeah. the opener. He got banged up against Tulsa, and he missed the next few weeks. Uh, I don't. He didn't play much of Bedlam or all of Bedlam. I don't think he hasn't played a full Bedlam yet. Um, he didn't play Bedlam two years ago, and he didn't play all of Bedlam last season. So he has yet to play a full. Oklahoma State has yet to go up against OU with a, a healthy Spencer Sanders. What do you think he'll finish this year as the starting quarterback? If for no other reason than injury, I think injury would be the only thing that keeps him from doing so. Like you don't think um, Gundy wouldn't like make a change? Gundy's, that's just not Gundy's mo. Like yeah. unless he's just playing, unless he's regressed. Yeah. No. Uh, unless he has gotten worse, or someone else just is significantly better than him. No, he will be the starter for the whole season. I mean, I think that's that. That's just that fits Gundy's mo. He's not going to just swap out quarterbacks unless Spencer's just like cannot stop turning the ball over to the point that it's, it's hurting the team like he has done in past games yeah. or he is too injured to play or somebody, be it Shane Ellingworth or Shane Ellingworth just yeah. suddenly in practice is, is just blowing him out of the water. Um, Spencer Sanders is going to be the guy. When you look at the conference standings or the, like we talked about before the predictions, you see a lot of following the top two, you see a lot of Texas TCU, and Oklahoma State's almost like an afterthought. Yeah, we'll throw an Oklahoma State in there after those two. Um, are we are we not paying enough attention to Oklahoma State move going in this year? Is one of those teams that could be, be that number three team in the Big Twelve? Push for the number two. I mean, they could be third, but I also think this is one of those years where three through six could just be decided by a matter of tiebreakers. Yeah. Like I. I I don't think it's a matter of like everyone's saying Texas and TCU are demonstrably better than Oklahoma State. Texas has more has more talent, if you want to say from a recruiting standpoint. Um, people are high on on TCU's potential. They have a lot of a lot of studs in the last couple of years in, in recruiting and, and through the transfer portal, and and so I, I kind of look at it and I go, if you came and told me that any combination of Texas, TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia, we're going to finish in whatever order, I'd probably be like, okay. Yeah, sure. I feel like OSU, Texas, and TCU are a slight step ahead of West Virginia and Kansas State. But again, the middle of that pack all has significant strengths and significant weaknesses. And until we actually start to see these teams play, I don't know how to separate that, that group, that group of five teams. And then I put Baylor, like Baylor's defense should be good, but I don't think their offense is going to take a big enough step forward to, to not be in the bottom three. I don't feel good about Texas Tech unless Tyler Shuck is just lights out. And Kansas is going to be Kansas this year, um, even with Leipold. And even if the, the team looks better, they're still going to finish in last place. So 
Like Oklahoma is far and away the number one team. Iowa State it can be a, a number two by themselves if you want. I think they are going to be closer to that three, four, five group than they are to one. I think there's I think there is a smaller gap between that pack in the middle to Iowa State than there is between Iowa State and Oklahoma. And that's not a shot at Iowa State. I think they're they're good. But that's just I think OU is that much better than everybody this year. Um now Oklahoma State did have some key losses on the offensive side of the ball. You have Tylen Wallace, Juba Hubbard. Who are some names that Big 12 fans, Oklahoma State fans, or just basic college football fans should know um, at those positions specifically? So we can uh, we can start with with wide receiver. Um, the number one name you're going to want to know is, is Brennan Presley, um, who, who kind of tore it up in the cheesy ball at the end of the last year uh, when Tylen Wallace played for like a quarter or whatever, and then yeah. and then sat out. And he had like. I forget. It was gross. He was fantastic. Um, and I, he's going to take one of the starting spots. Um, alongside him will be uh, Tay Martin, transferred from Washington State, who got in late before the season last year. It took some time to acclimate. Um, he's a guy they're really high on. And then the other starting spot is kind of up for grabs. It could be Braden Johnson. Um, it could be uh, Bryson Green or Blaine Green. I think Bryson probably of the two twins. Yeah. Um, Rashad Owens is going to get in there. Maybe John Paul Richards. Like, I feel confident about Brendan Presley and I feel confident about Tamar. After that, I think they've got to figure some, some guys out. Yeah. Um, I do at running back. I think LD Brown is the starter, but I, you know, Gundy at big 12 media has talked about, they, they don't, they don't want to have one guy who carries the ball 20, 25 times. They think they have four or five guys that could carry the ball, you know, 15 to 18 times a game. Which I kind of believe I, I, they don't. Uh, if they have a the guy back, I don't think anybody who's that is. I liked LD Brown. He 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 looked good last year, um, but LD Brown I do not believe can hold up to a, a being a twenty to twenty two carry a game, twelve games a season. He cannot hold up to that. I don't think he can. He will wear down. Um, Desmond Jackson showed flashes flashes last year, especially late in the year. Um, so did Dominic Richardson. Uh, they brought in Jalen Warren, who was a transfer from Utah State, who um, is one of the better transfer running backs. Like I, I think they have a deep – they had a problem for a couple seasons where they had a guy in Chuba and not a lot behind him. Um, yeah. This feels like they don't have a guy, but they've got depth. If you want to have a big concern for Oklahoma State this year, it's this. Gundy said that Spencer Sanders – has made the most progress in this offseason, more than he's made the rest of the time in Stillwater. And I know that's coach speak, but Gundy's not one to blow smoke up your ass. He's not one to rain praise down upon anybody. But look, he does not rain praise about down upon players for just on a regular basis. He just doesn't. He'll say nice things about them, but he doesn't make comments like that. That is a very that is a high praise comment to say he's made more progress in this offseason, this spring, than he had the rest of the time here. And there's some reason to believe that's true. Um, it's the first time he's had a, a, a the same offense coordinator and quarterback coach for two straight seasons. Since he got to Stillwater, he had a different OC every yeah. year until the last two. Um, you got an offensive coordinator who in, in Casey Dunn, who it's his his first time being a play caller, period. Um, this is his second season doing so. So there's a lot of reason to believe that Spencer Sanders has made a big step forward for this team to have a successful season. And by successful, I mean eight wins or more. 
he has to have, to have taken that step forward. Uh, because Gundy has said they don't have a workforce back and they don't have a, I forget the term. He didn't, I don't think he used the word elite. They don't have a, a, an elite receiver they know of. As he had talked about in the past, they, they knew Tylen was going to be awesome before when James Washington was still the guy they knew James Washington, like they, they can usually tell when someone's going to be a stud. They haven't seen a guy who's like, that's the guy. And the years where you can point to Oklahoma state, not having a, a stud wide receiver, a James Washington, a Tylen Wallace, a Justin Blackman, a Des Bryant, and a year where they didn't have a workhorse back. There's not a lot of them, but there are a couple of those seasons during the Gundy era. They were not successful seasons. Yeah. And you're going into your, but the difference is, between now and those years is you did not have a quarterback in our theory of the caliber of Spencer Sanders, who is also coming back and having this level of experience starting for the Cowboys. So this is why I say this season's success is entirely upon the shoulders of Spencer Sanders. If he can take that step forward that we think, or that Gundy believes he has. And if the offensive line just stays healthy, they'll be better than last year, just because they will be healthy. If everybody forgets, they lost three players, three players off the like two deep before the season started, and then two more for the year in the Tulsa game. They had five guys out of the depth chart by the end of the first game. Okay. So this offensive line can just stay healthy through the year. And Spencer Sanders takes that step forward. They can have a successful season. They can finish top three in the conference. They can challenge for the Big 12 title game. But if if the offensive line gets banged up and Spencer Sanders still has his Spencer Sanders games where he turns the ball over five times. Uh, Texas last year, Texas Tech two years ago, then they're just going to be a middle of the pack team along with every, whoever else ends up third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Okay. Now to wrap things up, let's, I'm going to ask you an obligatory realignment question uh, regarding <laughs> Oklahoma State. Um, where in your, in your assessment, where is the preferred landing spot for Oklahoma State versus the likely? Knowing that right now we know nothing about it, but where do you think, how do you think those two um, juxtapose each other or are in concert with each other? Preferred from what do I think the school preferred? You're, like, where do you think I would you, Which is your preferred landing spot for Oklahoma State? Well, there's no perfect answer. There's no, yeah. I, like, the perfect landing spot is for OU and Texas to go back to the Big 12 and we've been. Yeah. And, and Colorado and Nebraska and AM, Missouri all get over their shit and come back too. But that's not going to happen. So we have to move forward with the best option. The best option, because there's not a good option to me. There's 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 better yeah. than others, but there's not a, a perfect option. The best option is the Big Ten because of the money. And money drives everything. Money allows you to do the things you want to do, continue to build the athletic park that they want to do. They want to build a new softball stadium. They want to build a uh, new wrestling facility. The football, te- football team could have the money from the Big Ten to continue to improve and improve and recruiting. Um, you're going to be you're going to feel pretty secure being in the Big Ten for a while. Yeah. Um, Big Ten is the perfect land is the best landing spot anyone can get to right now because of the money the Big Ten is going to make. The SEC is going to have the most. The Big Ten is going to be right behind them. Everybody else is going to be pulling up way in the rear. So as important as money is to success in college athletics, outside of just being a brand like USA who can get away with it or Oregon or, or Clemson or Florida State and those kinds, then money money talks the loudest. And so the Big Ten is the best option because of that, plain and simple. Um, as to where, the, do I think they end up in the Big Ten? I, I don't. 
I, I don't see that happening. Um, I don't think the Big Ten has to expand, so I don't I don't feel good that they will. Um, I don't think the ACC is going to expand because I don't think ESPN is going to let them. That leaves yeah. the Pac-12 um, and the Big 12 staying together. Um, I don't want to make a prediction. It's not because I don't like being wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong. I'm wrong all the time. It's fine. Um, it's more to do with I don't feel confident in a in a in an answer but if i had to lean one way more than the other i don't think any of the eight find landing spots um but that's where i feel three weeks after we found out yeah. what was going on right um nothing is going to happen nothing's going to be decided nothing is no decisions to be made for the next till probably january at the earliest like this is not going to be a fast moving process OU in Texas, despite saying like, well, we just started talking to them in the spring. Sure. You've been talking for six months to a year. That's how long it's going to take everybody else to figure things out too. So it's going to be a while. Also, you know, the eight want to stay together because they want to get as many, every single nickel and dime as they can get out of Oklahoma and Texas. So they're not a huge rush to blow it up because they want the money. Um, wherever you go and whatever happens in the future, that. Uh, what 160 million between the two of them sounds real good split up eight yeah. ways that's 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 20 million dollars a piece that's nice that's a nice chunk of change that's um that's for the remaining right that would be they would both have to pay if they leave early, this early it's 80 million each it's 160 million dollars total divide out between the eight schools that's 20 million each that's nice yeah that's nice money for whatever you got to do in the future, that that is a nice little windfall to get right now. So, do you think that they make it till twenty twenty five, or is it more towards twenty two or twenty three before when they exit officially? I'm turning it to twenty twenty two just because I host I I run a Big Twelve podcast network and we want to treat this year like a last hurrah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure twenty twenty two is realistic. I think it's possible, but they're going to have to pay out the nose to do it. Um, I think 2023 is more realistic because, again, it's going to take the other eight schools time to figure out what they're going to do, if they're going to find landing spots elsewhere. Um, this, this is going to take time. And I think there's a lot of things to figure out before you actually get to the whole. Like I understand OU and Texas and ESPN and the SEC want OU and Texas over as quickly as possible. I get all of that. But um, I think it's going to be two years it won't be longer than 2023. There's just no way. And I, and I, I have a hard time seeing it going two seasons of them being in the conference as awkward as this season's going to kind of be. I'm, I'm, I would, if I had to make a guess, I will still ride with 2022 because that's been the date I have, I have felt strongest about, but it wouldn't shock me if they were here until 2023. Yeah. I mean, and we still don't know how awkward it's going to be. We have to, it could be extremely awkward and you go in towards the end of the season, you can say like, well, definitely it's going to be 2022. There's no way we can do this another, another year, but yeah. I mean, right now it's just so much um, uncertainty. It's hard to look into the future. Like you said, and make predictions because we don't know how it's all going to fall at the end of the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, A month ago, we were at Big 12 Media Days, and, and Bob Bowlesby was talking about how there was no realignment issues to work with, worry about for the first time in forever, and here we are. So for yeah. the idea that we can predict what's going to happen six months to a year from now, folks, 
Like you can predict that Clemson and Alabama are going to make the playoff. That's fine. That's a pretty good prediction. You can predict that Oklahoma is going to win the Big 12. That's fine. That's a pretty strong prediction. But predicting what's going to happen to college football and college athletics and what the NCAA is going to look like and yada, 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 a year from now, six months from now, I am not the I am not a smart enough person, a well-connected enough person, a well-informed enough person, despite how much stuff I try and read and stay up on to make a a guess that I would feel strong enough to put a dollar on. Yeah. Well, I want to thanks for jumping on and um, for dealing with the laptop dying in the middle of a conversation. But uh, um, <laughs> been there, been there. Where can uh, where can people find you? Uh, your podcast, your, the new podcast network, and um, all your content. Yeah. Uh, so you can follow the 1012 podcast. It's T in the number 12, the word podcast, anywhere podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, Google. Um, on Twitter, we are the 1012 network, T E N, the number 12, the word network, where we, uh, we tweet out and post all of the shows that we have in our new network that includes the 1012 podcast, that includes Rock Chalk podcast, which is our Kansas show. Uh, Hit the Horn, which is our TCU show, uh, the Raspy Voice Kids podcast, which is our West Virginia show, uh, Fire the Cannon, which is our Texas show, and then we also have a Big Toll Basketball, men's and women's basketball podcast called Midwest Madness, uh, which um, is great. She actually just got an interview with the Baylor's new women head coach, uh, Nikki Collin, or Colleen, um, which is wonderful. If you have people who want to go check that out, uh, of course, that one is Midwest Madness. So um, we got six shows. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe, check it out. We got a lot of stuff going out right now, man. I don't, I've got normal Monday, Thursdays. Plus we are doing a, a sell me on special podcast series. We're going through each of the eight remaining teams and talking about what their selling points are as far as, uh, trying to leave another power five conference or power conference. I guess you'd stop saying power five power conference. Um, and just, just some other things about the impact of realignment on that. It's been really good. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think these podcasts have been, have been excellent. Uh, we've already done OSU, Iowa State, um, TCU, uh, let's see, Kansas will be out by the time this comes out and, uh, well, I'm missing one now. All right. Four episodes of the show a week. I'm, my brain's running out of space. <laughs> my hard drive's full, man. I need, I need some more iCloud space. All right. We look forward to that, especially those um i've been enjoy- I've, i do listen to your podcast I'm, i've been enjoying those sell me on shows and then um but again thanks for coming on and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next time good time matt again i want to thank philip for coming on the podcast and um with that being said we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up if you want to follow the show you can find us on twitter at the bear bear den pod and if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt D. Workman. That's M-A-T-T-D-W-O-R-K-M-A-N. And until next time, stick and bears. Podcast Network.